Hello and welcome to On Wednesdays We Wear Black with me, Sophie Kay, Yasmin Suman, and our very special guest, Izzy B. Phillips from Black Honey. Welcome. Thanks, guys. Welcome onto the, the dark side. Because um, we always wear black, that's what that was. <laughs> <laughs> I, came, doing I came in the colour code. So you came in the colour code. Dress for the theme. Ian stood the assignment. So we're so excited to have you on the podcast because you are just absolutely smashing it at the moment. You're like everywhere I look, you're just owning the press, your album's going up there. Like you seem to be doing so much. You're killing it. Thanks, guys. Um, <sighs> It's nice to hear because sometimes when you're inside it, it definitely doesn't feel like it. But um, yeah. it's 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 great to to feel like it's it's been seen that way because I don't know, like I, I guess I'm too close to it. I feel like I'm constantly just like paddling for my damn life out here. But <laughs> yeah, that yeah. is standard. That is standard. Being in a band. Yeah, I remember saying that yeah. to Nova Twins, and they were like, "No, we just feel like it's I'm like no, you're absolutely smashing it." Anyway, um, we had we were having a look, weren't we, Yasmin, at all of the things that we could talk to you about, and mm. you are such an interesting person. There's so many things that we could tackle, but one of the main things that stood out to us because we always get letters in from people asking us to talk about neurodivergence, don't we, Yasmin? And it's something we're, we've mentioned. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we're both neurodivergent, obviously. So <laughs> people always write in and ask, and it's kind of hard to like, I feel like every experience that a neurodivergent person has is different and it's like not linear. So I guess it's good to hit other people's perspectives on it. I find it really interesting at the moment with like the discourse that's happening with neurotypes where um, it, like I'm hearing a lot of women getting their diagnosis like later on in life. And I think that that for me is really, it's quite weird to wrap my head around because I've, I find it hard having ADHD anyway. But like to think that some people are like, have been told that they're sort of typical their whole lives and are now sort of realizing, oh, like my neurotype wasn't really sort of made space for or my needs weren't mm. really met in school the way that they could have been. I feel sort of weirdly privileged for having like, obviously such um outward boy-like symptoms that i was diagnosed when i was 14 but i don't know what what are your guys experiences that can i ask what your neurotype is or is that rude yes no no, no it's not rude at all so no. i was um i was diagnosed as adhd and autistic literally last year wow so it, Crazy. it's been and I'm, I'm old. But then it, when I was growing up, it was always a thing of um, you're just a bit weird. And it was always a thing of you just can't concentrate and you talk too yeah. fast. And it, yeah. was, it, was, it was just like, oh, she's just away with the fairies. If she could just apply herself, she's really intelligent. And so it was one of those things that came late. Mm. And Yasmin... Uh, I got diagnosed with ADHD very recently, actually, um, because... I had already been diagnosed with BPD since I was a child um, and oftentimes ADHD can mask as BPD and vice versa so my doctor was just kind of like whoopsie you have both congratulations and I was like oh my god yay I'm collecting all of the disorders woo woo 
How do those like two as well like must be so interesting how they like cross over? You're like, is this ADHD or is this like BPD? Like that must be like a bit of a head fuck. Yeah, it's like, am I experiencing BPD rage or am I experiencing an ADHD meltdown? It's Mm. always fun. It's a daily, daily task. But no, it's also something that like I tend to manage a lot. And I think um, when you're not a man and the symptoms aren't so like talked about and prevalent in today's society, which I'm sure we'll like touch on, um, it's harder to kind of not gaslight yourself and be like, oh, no, I'm just being crazy. It's like, actually, actually, no, no, these are symptoms of something that I'm experiencing and I need to validate that. Oh my God, so intense, yeah. Like your whole life they've told you, like it's you, like you're the problem. Yeah. Like, and now finally you're like, oh wait, no, like you're not the problem. It's the system that's fucked. Yeah, it's like- 100%. So for anyone listening, just to let you know what we're going to do here is we are all experts on ourselves, but not particularly on the world of it because this isn't our specialist this isn't our, like, we none of us work as psychiatrists. So, just so you know, if we say anything, we're talking about our own experiences and our own reality, which some of you may or may not identify with. Um, so I find it so rewarding speaking to other women and finding out about, like, their perspective. And, like, I, felt, I definitely felt very alone in the feeling of, like, being, like, a problem child or whatever. And then now it's, like, all of these women that maybe were maybe just seemed to me to be like really nerdy were actually experiencing like very similar experiences to me in different ways i actually find i'm finding it very like wholesome like it's a bit there's a bit of a kinship between everyone that's that suffered with it definitely so when you you were did you say you were 14 Mm -hmm. what was the process of of being diagnosed and it being recognized at 14 um, I think it was definitely a stem from behaviour problems. I also had like some other more complicated things going on, which I prefer not to talk about on air. That's okay. Um, but um, I think that um, I think that it was funny how how it was managed because, as far as the universe was concerned, as long as my behaviour was managed, then my ADHD was fixed. And they told yeah. us when we were 14 that, like, you would be, like, cured or, like, you'd grow out of it. They were like, you grow out of your symptoms. So, like, this whole time, like, through my 20s, I'm like, oh, like, when, did it, when, does, it, when does it go? <laughs> like, when does it grow away? Because it's still really here. Um, and then just obviously, like, the education that I've had from the internet on, like, oh, it's actually just, like, there forever. And, like, then you start to see, like, oh, like, maybe I can see it more in my family or so but I mean my family my family are on the spectrum so um it's I was kind of considered to be like the more neurotypical one in terms of like being quite like chatty and like being quite like um more extrovert like a um not my you know my brother's super super like high functioning very smart but he's like you know he does like theoretical physics and I I was always the kind of arty chatty one and so, like, when I was, like, 14 and being just probably just difficult for everyone to manage in school, um, I had to go and see this lady and she would be like, George has a sad face. Remember the last time you had a sad face and why? And you had to, like, fill out this form. And I guess now, looking back, it was probably just, like, they're trying to tr- teach me how to, like, early stages of, like, emotional regulation, which just honestly at the time felt unbelievably patronising, um, which I think a lot of treatment for, like... Um, 
neurodiverse people does often feel like people tend to sort of talk at you like you're <laughs> really yeah. dumb yeah. and you're like actually no like maybe I misread a social cue completely but yeah. actually like I don't need you to patronize me and treat me like a normal human being like people are shocked when I sort of talk more about the struggles that I have day to day like I can't um navigate well in London I like get really really overwhelmed with the sensory experience of a tube and like I will do anything to make up an excuse to get a taxi on the band account like that's mostly like a crusade that I've been making recently (laughs) (laughs) which doesn't build me much popularity in the with the boys but um it's definitely something that like I've realized like oh I thought everyone was scared of the tube but it mm. was just me. And, like, I have this one tube station where I get lost at every week, and I still, to this day, every week I go there and I have to ask at the till um, how to get to where I'm going, in the, to go to the studio. Uh, even though I've done it every week, I have to go and ask in person just in case they've changed the system or in case that it, I'm... Because well, there's one time I went there and I sat on a platform for, like, an hour and I didn't understand, like, why the train never came. And like these, these are the things. Like I couldn't get online to, to to check it, and I didn't know what I did wrong in the in the process. So I just ended up sitting there for an hour. And like these are things that like most neurotype, most neurotypical people probably don't have in their day to day life. Or like I'll I'll make special exceptions to try and manage my own needs. So like I I treat myself like a military operation most days. I don't know if you guys identify with this, but I have to make a to-do list I have to smash everything on that to-do list because if I don't I'll just go on a hundred side quests and I'll be like what the fuck was I I can't even remember what I was supposed to do today like that then I just get completely lost and kerfuffled and then I like get so overwhelmed and I get stressed and then it causes a meltdown so I have to stick to the plan and I have to know each day what the plan is and that cannot be changed and Mm. if it is changed it needs Mm. to be like we are sitting down and we are changing the plan. So, like, to have, like, things suddenly get moved around is jarring for my processing. Mm. And um, people, people, I think, love to see an artist and be like, oh, like, they're just, like, fun, do whatever, free-spirited. But it's like, they don't really see, like, the military approach that you have to take to yourself day to day to get yourself through your day. People always say, oh, you're, you're super productive, like, you're... You're always working on stuff. You're in the in the studio doing projects. I'm like, I have to do stuff in the way that I need to. Otherwise, I will be literally tearing my eyeballs out. Like, if I'm not writing for a certain amount of time, I'll be causing every. I'll be having arguments with everyone. I'll be stressed. I'll be like, wow. fight. Mm. Do you know what I mean, like, I need just to manage my own space and my own head and to get through my life in a way that I that that fits my brain type. The brain type that I'm still learning to meet the needs of because no one else taught me no one else met my needs and so I had to learn how to meet them and I think like I, and that's why I love speaking to other 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 women and other like people that have had this experience um because I think that it's you can feel lonely in that and realizing that a lot of people have that for me is yeah it's very it's very it's very rewarding 
I think people can't see, like, people listening probably can't see, but I'm furiously nodding along because I absolutely agree, especially the, like, military operation. But it's the most simplest things, and sometimes it can feel a bit dehumanising that I have to, like, write down a to-do list, and the to-do list is, like, remember to eat, remember to drink water, remember to shower, but I will forget. I will forget, yeah. and, like, it'll get to a point where I only eat when I'm starving because my brain is, like, yeah. there's other things that you have to do first. And unless you need to eat, you don't really need to eat. Like, my brain is just too... I'm, like, 100 miles ahead doing 10 other things that, like, I'll only really eat when I'm, like, on the verge of death. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to throw up if I don't eat. And it's crazy how it has to be, like, a military opera. Like, I need to give myself a set time when I eat or I will forget. I will forget. Yeah. And also, like, when you're used to eating, like, only when you're starving, then you get used to that as the routine then you're like, mm. oh, if I'm not screaming hungry, then I don't need to. And you're like, no, you need to eat before you get to the psycho yeah. hungry bit. Yeah, literally. I saw yeah, a great all. interview with you saying about how you had to be told that strawberry laces, you know, you can't just have that for dinner. And I thought that was a big, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a big thing because it's like, that's real. Yeah, you will just reach for whatever is the most easy and accessible thing. Um, and I think what's nice about the conversation we're having here is I feel like it's an antithesis to what's been happening on social media. So mm. I actually, when I was first diagnosed, I um, made a video. It's very, it's unlike me to do a crying video. Like if you know me, it's super unlike me. But I was doing this video and I burst into tears because I was like, I was almost angry at the amount of TikToks that make it like this kind of meme fun thing to have. Whereas in actual fact, it's debilitating and it, it, yes, superpower, whatever, but it's, it's not a great superpower. It's one that's really affected me. I've lost friends. I've failed at things, so many things in life. I've missed so many opportunities and having to grieve those opportunities that were missed and those friends that were lost was a really hard part of it. What would you say was the hardest part for you when you look at it and look at how it's affected you wow yeah that's um and it's really beautiful that you shared that because it's true i think that the meme culture around it is it is people just trying to give themselves a bit of forgiveness probably because it is most of the time just like complete bullshit and um i think the hardest bit for me is like i often think to myself that i would give it all back to function normally like I would I'd give I'd give back all the talent that I have all of the life that I've led or I would give it all back just to function sometimes I mean not all the time when it's good obviously it's incredible and it's the life that I could have only dreamt of but like a lot of the time it's like the last video that we did I um had to shoot it on a I don't know why I decided to see this is so stupid, but I like, did sh- loads of it on a train. Like, I literally have a phobia of trains. <laughs> I shot, shot a video on a train. Like, <laughs> it couldn't have been more stupid, like, if I'd have planned it. And it just caused me to have, like, a horrific public meltdown in the mm. middle of public. You know, I had a meltdown to, like, random strangers on the album launch party. Like, I had a meltdown before a singing lesson once and then just said random shit to my singing teacher. Like, I can't control... I'm not driving shit. Like, I'm not in control. What do your meltdowns look like? For me, it's like, 
it's crying it's crying and like screechy crying like but in public like as if like someone would probably think that I've just found out that like my biggest love has died or something Mm. and like it will be like um I can't I can't um process things when people say words Mm. so like I had this one at a a gallery once and I know how to regulate like I have to go and sit and um, have like a cup of coffee or hot drink or a bath like I have baths every single day and they are like absolutely necessary to like just stabilizing everything in my head and so anyway I was in this I was in an art gallery and I had one but the art gallery was like one of those one-way system ones and it turns out that like I had the meltdown at the beginning of this gallery and then I had to walk the whole way through it to get to the coffee shop just to go and calm down I got lost in the gallery and then like started crying and screaming at security guard being like let me out I can't like I can't can't be here can't be can't do it and he he just like started to like call his people on me and then I suddenly suddenly I had like three security guards dragging me around out of a gallery wow wow Wow, that's so difficult. And and thank you for sharing that because that must have been... Because that's, that's the thing. I don't know how you feel about it. I admire those people who are able to say things like, I'm securing myself and so I don't get embarrassed. Um, are you one of those people or are you a bit more like me where I'm like, I then overthink about that thing that happened for days on end and beat myself up for that. And so it's like this constant yep. cycle of like beating myself up is that yeah I'm 100% like you in that respect like I feel like I'm constantly having to like apologize for the thing that I did when I wasn't driving yeah I'm like and like for me like the thing that's really interesting is like I'm on a journey with sobriety now and it's like it's so wild to even consider that like I have this brain that's like that and that I was just like pouring petrol on that fire every day with this thing that literally like it reminds me of being like you know when you're drunk and you say something stupid and then you're forever apologizing being um on a spectrum of sorts is like that anyway like you're yeah. constantly saying something that you didn't mean or you didn't say it, like the way that it was supposed to be said or like what you think is a compliment to someone they get offended yeah. by yo that's my <laughs> life it's yeah and do you find I'm, that like because i used to love drinking um Mm. i was i was a massive piss head as we say here in the uk if you're listening from abroad that means i just drank a lot and Mm. even though i wouldn't class myself as an alcoholic i would say i had an unhealthy relationship with alcohol because i was using it as a tool to be a certain way and to be able to cope in social situations and what i found is that me as i come unmasked which is a personality that really only some of my family and my boyfriend get to see um no one gets to see that but when i'm drunk i can let it out and people think oh that's okay that's and it's accepted but i feel like when i'm myself unmasked during the day otherwise people struggle with that i don't know wow, if that's, that's crazy something you fa- so like- wait, you think you un you so you let out your true unmasked version when you're pissed yeah that's what you mean because you can do like for example i have a tendency to do weird dances like ricky gervais in the office and (laughs) when i'm excited or something like that and i'm very i gesture a lot and i can be silly yeah whereas i find that now um if i'm that silly because i for example walking into the office at work 
we, we've got a new building at work walked into the office the other day and there's all these people sat there quietly at computers I had to dig my nail into my hand to stop myself from going why is everyone so serious why are you all so serious just to because I couldn't handle the silence it was like it started to make me feel sick I was like why is everyone so serious this is really boring I have to do something it's like this ball of energy um I don't know if anyone else gets that. If anyone I relate to that. Do you? Mm. Mm. It's like I, I relate to that. I said, I feel like I have less control over it. Like, I, I shouted, like, to people. Like, this is fully sober on a waking day. Like, the, I, was, I got a train to London from where, where I grew up, where my mum lives in Crawley, and it was on the commuter train. <laughs> As I got on the train, I just shouted, everyone looks like they're queuing for a funeral! <laughs> <laughs> And how did people react to that? They just thought I was obviously <laughs> crazy. But They're like, there's some part of me, some some disruptive part of me that it's not like it's Tourette. It's like, I want them yeah, to know. Exactly. That everyone looks yeah. like that. <laughs> and if you were drunk, that would be like, oh, Standard. she's, just, she's yeah. just drunk. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. just what people... <laughs> and everybody else would be doing the same kind of mad shit. But when you're, um, when you're sober... It's it's kind of frowned upon uh, quite a bit. <laughs> Have you ever tried medication? Yeah, I was put on medication when I was fourteen, and it was horrible. It was very um, going back to like the eating thing mm. that Yas was talking about. Where um, it just doesn't. It, I don't know what, if you guys have had it, but it just made me like not eat as much, but then still get like hangry rage. Right. Yeah. Um, it made me yeah. re- really good at schoolwork. Like I was very focused at my work, but it didn't. It didn't fix any... It, like, it solves, like, the capitalistic version of yourself, but it doesn't really solve, like, how to regulate. It doesn't teach you how to manage. It doesn't do anything else. It just makes you a little bit more, like, straight-minded and a, in a sort of weird, speedy way, like, for me. Interesting, because I found the... I found that um, my ADHD makes me eat loads... And like, I'll just be trying to do some work and I'll be like, oh, I can't concentrate. So I'll go into the kitchen looking for some sugar or something to give me a bit of a boost. And I found because of that, the benefit of, for me, going on medication is it stopped that behavior. Yeah. It helped. I'm not on medication today because there's been a shortage across the UK, um, but that's the side across the world, actually. Um, But it's starting to come back in stock now. Um, And it, it... helped me it helped my anxiety that was the best part the best part for me was the music stopped that I wasn't expecting that and I didn't realise how much my brain is always playing music at all times and I was like Mm. wow this for once when someone goes what are you thinking I was like nothing nothing never and I could silent I could pick what to focus on so I could go I'm not going to think about that thought right now I'm going to think about something else something more positive and that was like that was a, a game changer so I think medication wow. is such an interesting thing for different people isn't it well I'd like sorry if it's rude to ask but what, what medication was that so I was on Elvance. okay cool so the Lvance apparently even though it does affect your appetite the one thing I, I was told is like make sure you plan your meals and you add that in as your planner but because you can choose what to focus on yeah you can and so like I had to do simple things, for example, protein shakes in the morning because protein's supposed to help. Um, and that also helps you uh, have something easy in the morning. 
Yeah, mm. that's good. That's really. I mean, this just sounds awesome. Like when you say, it, I'm like, this sounds amazing. <laughs> like it's it's actually it's actually incredible that like modern medicine exists to help. Yeah. In the, uh, at this level, like I feel like we're so lucky in in that respect that like where you do get a diagnosis and you have struggled for years and not to discredit probably how much trauma has caused having it undiagnosed for so long yeah. it's amazing that we live in a world where like you can access a medicine that can help you and also like the way that adhd spirals it makes it worse it's like you eat a bunch of sugar and then suddenly you're like pinging off the walls and then that's going to make you even more hyper and then you're going to crash and then you're going to yeah. be in a vile mood and like all of the, the food thing is like it's unbelievable how much it difference it makes to managing your mental health day to day like you have to eat fats because fats help your brain like with all of the things in it so like you have to have like avocados you know and like salmon and things or like vegan options of that because though all of those things help your brain work better like they've proven Mm. it all the scientists are proving it and it's like Mm. if we but also if you're on medicine that's helping you be like more formulaic and you then you can choose to make the right choices and then therefore it sort of spirals into into amazing but is it weird so you've had to come off it is it is it weird that you've had like a shortage is that not like jarring as fuck oh it was the worst (laughs) it was i had it because i was on it for wasn't on it that long i was on it for four months Mm. and then it just it was out of uh, stock but I'd already got used to being on it and uh, used to concentrating and so for about a week it's like going from being able to do stuff to then realising how I'd lived my entire life and what I'd had to cope with and being able to focus on work still Mm. was unbelievable Um, and it it just made me realise more and more how much A, it's not taken seriously as a condition ADHD um, because it's seen as this kind of joke thing a lot of the time I feel from my opinion Mm. and B how difficult it is to live with everybody can identify that's why I think it gets um, people write it off because everybody can identify with the symptoms of it everyone's like I struggle to focus sometimes yeah and I hate it when people are like they like being organised so they're like oh my OCD and it's like no like that's really unfair on someone that like literally can't leave their house if we're being like oh my OCD means I have to clean the side it's like no this is like actual things that people are managing day to day and like, I don't know how you guys are at like, points I had to have a conversation a dialogue with myself about how many people like everyone and their dog getting a diagnosis of ADHD and it's like I don't I don't think that your experience has been quite as similar to mine like I feel like it, like oh you struggle with concentration so you're diagnosing yourself with ADHD it was like you know, did you did you have to go and see psychotherapists for like all this time as a child? Like, do you know what I mean yeah. like? I'm not trying to be like poor me about it, but you know, you're like how I, I really don't think it's the same experience. Then for me, I have to be like, just because their experience was different to mine doesn't mean they haven't had their own struggles, and that like people all have their own shit going on, and like just because mine is in like a very apparent state of like obviousness then doesn't mean that they don't also have the same problem. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Now, I've got a couple more questions to ask you because I am aware of time. Um, And this has been such a fascinating chat and I hope if you're listening to this right now, it's helped you understand a little bit more the experience. The first part is, and this, this is to see what you think, and same, see what you think, Yasmin. 
One of the things I struggle with, and I'll be completely honest here, is I feel after making it my special interest and like studying up reading medical journals, because that's the, I guess the autism part coming out as well, or my hyperfocus, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I found in one paper that it was an up to 80% misinformation on TikTok videos as to what ADHD is. Yeah. Wow. Um, so yeah. what people are saying it is, isn't always what it actually is. And on one hand, I'm really happy with people are talking about this more. And I think that's the most important takeaway. But sometimes I do struggle personally and you don't have to comment on this if you don't want to, but I do struggle with the oversimplification because I think, like you say, a lot of people can be diagnosing themselves, whereas actually they're just having a rough few years or they've been a bit depressed. Not 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 to downplay depression, but... Mm. It also, can... at what point do we, like, stop diagnosing everyone with everything ever? Like, in a hundred years' time, is everyone going to have, like, a hundred million diagnoses? Yeah. Like, are we all just going to be, like, in this, like, neuro hole of, like... <laughs> everything is medically wrong with everyone but maybe like, then we'll, we'll reign supreme and we will change the way everything works including companies <laughs> and then we'll go down to a three day working week and it'll be great I yeah. really struggle because <laughs> I find that like I like I would never want to invalidate someone because I know what that's like spending however many years like struggling with being told I'm just really loud and I'm just too much and I'm too intense and everyone would be like you just you just you just take it too far and it's like no I can't help oversharing because I feel really uncomfortable in this situation so I'm going to be the loudest person in the room and I hate it but at the same time I feel like the discourse around ADHD and how people speak about it on TikTok is frustrating but I think it brings conversations like this where mm. people who have actually suffered with ADHD for a really long time or any kind of like neurodivergent, you know, behavioural problems and, and, you know, struggles that we've gone through, I feel like that discourse has brought about brought about a better understanding of what it's like to be neurodivergent. So it is annoying to see on TikTok, like I see some videos and I'm like, haha, ADHD is so quirky. I forgot to eat two days ago and I still haven't. That's so crazy. Oh my God. Um, But we have spaces like this now where we can talk about it. And it's like, I try and see it as a positive, but that's really cheesy and lame. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. Also in America as well, isn't it like everyone goes with an ADHD diagnosis and gets prescription drugs because they're just everyone's just using them so that they can like go and like earn more money at their jobs and like work really hard and it's like the over diagnosis in that country is like off the chart anyway um here's a fact for you though here's a quick fact for you yeah fact me fact me the um medication for ADHD apparently only works if you have ADHD and if you don't have ADHD it speeds up your brain to make you think that you're doing more but it's actually not it's not you're not overachieving anymore okay but my question to you is is this on American version of medication or English because the American medication has a different strand which is closer linked to like um speed and effect like it's more that's the one I take. So it's Lysdexamphetamine, uh, which is Vyvanse in the USA and Elvance in the UK, which uh. it is speed. And at first you're like, holy shit, my heart is going like uh, so fast. But it actually calms you. Mm. It's like everything slows. So those people that are, d- are taking it and they're like, oh, I'm so productive. I did all this stuff. So what 
you're saying is that there's evidence to support that like those guys aren't like doing as much as they think that they are basically yeah so it's like let's say two people have an essay to write the people who are neurotypical will take it and they'll feel they'll feel what hyper focus feels like and so they think that they've achieved way more but actually they can do that without the medication whereas adhd people would go i'm writing this essay oh that light's been blinking over there i wonder let me get the screwdriver oh this draws a bit wonky and they go off on their little things and end up leaving it to the last hour um and then rushing it (laughs) which i'm sure we've all done before yeah yeah um yep but just to wrap and this is a total side tangent because there are two questions we haven't asked you but we do have to wrap up um and and one part is a total side tangent um we haven't discussed the fact you're a tattoo artist and we talk about tattoos a lot on the podcast we do episodes on it and one of the things we were looking for was a tattoo artist who can tell us their most awkward or difficult interaction with a client oh my god please share so without any names or anything can you tell us like anything awkward that happens or anything difficult that happens as a tattoo artist that so I feel like if you ask me in a year's time, I'll have like way better stories for this because I'm so um, early doors as like a tattoo artist. I only got my license like this summer. Oh wow, congratulations. But, um, congratulations. Thanks. Thank you. Um, so my my most awkward one was, because um, mine are all people in a Black Honey community. Um, so I don't like name names because <laughs> everyone would like find each other out. But I had a really, um, stressful interaction with someone that struggled with um fainting and we oh. had like like they turned like green and that was like when we were doing the shaving like before we'd even like <laughs> set up a needle you know <laughs> we were just shaving their arm i'm sorry like, um, i'm feeling it no <laughs> no then we were, and then we were doing it at, the, at a table at the time and then they were like, I'm, I think I'm going to faint. I'm like, my only rule with fainting is like, if you feel it coming on, just call it early. Because like, if we're like half, if I've got a needle in your arm and you're going to go, like, this is really dangerous. Yeah. So like, they, and luckily they were great about it. They called it and were like, I'm feeling bad. So I was like, right, okay. Moved them into a different area, laid them down. We had like a whole two hour interval of sugar that were halfway through the tattoo. And I'm like, well, we can't leave this little snake like with a head missing uh i'm not gonna be i was in manchester doing it like i'm not gonna be here for ages so i then went um ahead and we tried to finish the piece after they felt better and we'd got their energy and sugar levels up um so the whole piece took like four and a half five hours for like the tiniest little thing wow and it was just like so stressful and then like after the piece was finished i made them stay for like another hour because i was like you can't just like leave here and drive a car like you're gonna faint (laughs) yeah and you're only petite so i can't if if somebody starts like keeling over on you yeah i can't catch them like i'm not dragging anyone's dead body to hospital like i don't have the skill set for this like i'm not qualified i'm not medically i'm not medical professional like I literally had to call my tutor up on the phone and be like, what Like, what should we do? Like, should I leave it? Like, they were like, it's... Also, we could have just, for the record, like, you are allowed to just fully stop the tattoo at any time and, re- and pick it up later later on. And this was, like, with the consent of my client that wanted to get it finished. Oh, um, my gosh. I would, yeah. Jesus. That would be one of those yeah, things I'd replay on. in my head for ages. Like, I can't believe I nearly fainted. I wonder what yep. they saw. 
Yeah. <laughs> and um, it's, it's weird, people people have like such a primitive reaction to the tattoo and I think most of it's the adrenaline like beforehand yeah. when, mm. when they're like in the mirror and they're like slowly swaying, looking at their piece. Oh. I'm like, you're gonna faint, aren't you? Like, let's go oh. and sit down. Oh my gosh. Yeah, worst fear. Yeah, um, so stressful. The, the last thing that we have to ask you about is you're going out on a massive tour soon, aren't you? Some big, some big dates. Am I right? Yeah. So the tour's not uh, massive in the sense of longness, but it's massive in the sense of big no, shows massive for us. Big shows yeah. for you. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got some big shows coming up. If you're in the UK, where can we come see you? Or um, Bristol, London, Leeds, and Brighton. Amazing. Are amazing. And we've. Yeah, we're doing Kentish Town Forum in London, which is like our biggest London show we've ever done. You guys are Ooh. obviously invited. Oh, thank you. That's um, huge. It's on Valentine's Day as well, so Aww. I'm going to try and make it like really romantic for everyone. How are you going to make it romantic? Because I'm not going to lie here, I saw Boys to Men once in concert around Valentine's Day. So okay, what did they do? What did, I feel like they? I feel like they would have sm- smashed. Like that's like a peak. I don't think I can be with that. <laughs> <laughs> they want it was just well, rose petals that's all they had to do like, yeah I was thinking something like getting everyone to like give each other a hug or something in the crowd or like um ta- like uh, or like ma- doing some like cute like maybe like a kissing booth or I don't know like something Ooh. very fun Ooh. oh boys Ooh. to men in your face yeah. this is black honey you see that's what it's all about um thank you so much for chatting to us here on the podcast today you've been so thank open you. and so honest about your experiences and i think a lot of people are going to identify with that um on another day we'll talk more about um getting a diagnosis if you are in the uk but if you're confused just google the words right to choose adhd you'll find out loads more um and yes, I hope you've learned something from this episode. I hope you feel connected and realise that in your experience, you are not alone. There are many of us out there. Probably most of us working in music and media. <laughs> <laughs> All the arts of some shape or form. So uh, just to finish up, words of wisdom. Uh, we always finish up with our, our words of wisdom for the day. Yasmin, what would you say yours are at the end of this episode? Um maybe drinking red bull every day if you have an adhd diagnosis isn't the best thing for you that is my words of wisdom spoken from someone who does that wow that is profound (laughs) (laughs) Uh, my words of wisdom would be um it's all a journey and the answers don't come to you straight away and life is a journey that's rubbish words of wisdom but that's life is a highway there you go speaking (laughs) for the car soundtrack yeah, yours is weirdly similar to like my one that I was going to go for. Okay. I was going to say that nothing in nature goes in a straight line. Yeah, see? Like, n- like a river or anything. Like nothing goes like straight. It's all like all over the shop. That's the difference between when you get like a songwriter telling <laughs> you the when way you get they think like us. <laughs> Versus <laughs> when you get a radio presenter. I like your one. I like um, your version. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for chatting to us. And we hope to hear from you. Have you on again soon at some point. Um, I'm sure people would love to hear more about your tattoo stories as well. Thank you thank so you. much for having me. It's been awesome. You were listening to On Wednesdays We Wear Black. 
Please rate and subscribe so that we can keep doing what we do. Special thanks goes out to the Nova Twins for the badass music and Wargasm for the killer screams. See you next week.